0: Hello, it's Paul Wheelock, and welcome to the post game podcast to react to Liverpool's seven, that seven nil victory at Crystal Palace. The victory was the biggest the Reds have ever recorded in the Premier League. It moved them six points clear of Tottenham Hotspur, who are now actually third after Everton beat Arsenal in the early evening game. And I think it's fair to say that it showed without a shadow of a doubt why Liverpool are once again the team to beat this season. Absolutely magnificent, and you'll be hearing plenty more plaudits across the course of this podcast from our regular fan callers. But we start at Selhurst Park, where we will hear from a delighted Jurgen Klopp, but firstly, the Liverpool Echo's chief LFC writer, Ian Doyle.
1: The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
2: Well, it's all over here at Selhurst Park, where Liverpool have earned, to be honest, a pretty remarkable 7-0 victory over Crystal Palace. Uh, It's probably a result that nobody saw coming, certainly with the way that Liverpool have played away from home in the Premier League this season. They've taken, before this game, just, I think, it's seven points from uh, from the six games on the road, but there wasn't really any doubt about this one come full-time. However, that wasn't the case in the first half, where it's worth bearing in mind that while Liverpool took an early lead through, Takumi Minamino in the third minute, a very well-taken strike uh, set up by Sadio Mane, who who, uh, controlled a, a ball into the box down the inside right channel and laid it across to Minamino, who scored his first Premier League goal, having been, uh, surprisingly, to to some selected... He was on the left wing up front with Mohamed Salah uh, rested to the bench, although we will come to him in a minute. And when Liverpool went 1-0 ahead... Uh, Crystal Palace reacted strongly and they did create, well it was, it was half chances, they did have some moments of uh, concern for Liverpool in defence where uh, Fabinho in that particular period of the game, a 20 minute period in the first half, he was excellent, he helped to snuff out some danger and it meant that Alisson Becker and Liverpool goal really didn't have any major saves to make uh, the second Liverpool goal was therefore against the runner play, Sadio Mane uh, who scored it a ball from uh, Naby Keita went up to the edge of the area. Which prompted a bit of a scramble. It came uh, out to a little bit of space for Roberto Firmino, who showed a very cool head and continued his good form by putting the ball into Mane, who controlled it with his left foot, then turned and absolutely slammed it in uh, with his right foot into the bottom corner. And shortly before half-time came the, the, what ended up being the killer third goal. Uh, this was probably the best goal of the game, game to be honest. Uh, it was a, a Liverpool break. Trent Alexander-Arnold had the ball in the... Uh, the right, uh, right back position. He played it inside to Roberto Firmino, and uh, his turn p- played it out to the opposite wing to Andy Robertson, who then flew down the left flank, flank I should say, uh, got to the edge of the area, and when he put in the cross, it was uh, in fact it was just before the edge of the area. He put in a cross just inside the uh, penalty box, and Firmino was the unmarked, controlled it with one foot, and then put in a nice finish that made it three uh, 0 The next goal was always going to be crucial at the start of the second half. It came from Liverpool, it was uh, Jordan Henderson and again it was Kater who helped initiate it when Liverpool were on the attack. He played it inside to the right side of the penalty area where Trent Alexand- Alexander-Arnold was, played it back to Jordan Henderson. His first time shot with his right foot went into the top corner. It's interesting because the, uh, very much like Alison Becker, uh, Vicente Guaita, the uh, Crystal Palace goalkeeper, he didn't have a, a save to make and he couldn't be faulted for any of the goals. Um, the fifth goal, uh, this one was, by this point, Sadio Mane had gone off and Mohamed Salah had come on uh, Salah then played a lovely ball through to Firmino, uh, the left-hand channel inside the area and he flicked one over the Palace goalkeeper, the fifth goal uh, The sixth goal was a little bit more routine, it was a corner from the right from uh, from Trent headed on by Matip and Salah reacted quickly, quickest to, to head it in uh, and then he was able to then put the finishing touches to the victory with a very fine finish with his left foot coming in off the right flank for the seventh goal. Uh, by then, it was quite funny, actually, because I think after, after the fifth goal, Roy Hodgson had just turned around and just put, put his hands up to anybody that was, was looking and just to say, what can we possibly do about that? And there was certainly a case that Liverpool, they've really been this ruthless. I cannot remember, actually, a time where they've scored so many good goals in one game. And, uh, you know, they, they thoroughly deserved the victory. Well, as I say, there was that point in the first half where... You know, Palace gave as good as uh, as gave as good as they got, and they were threatening. But Liverpool's finishing was of another level, um, and it meant that that basically this result, this victory, is the biggest ever away win in the top flight, seven 0 surpasses the seven one they had at uh, Derby back in uh, the 1990-91 season. And there's a bit of a neat symmetry about it because uh, Crystal Palace is the nine nil Liverpool's nine 0 win over Palace. Uh, back in 1989, that's the biggest ever home top-flight win. So, uh, not sure Palace will be too keen on that. But uh, as I say, a nice bit of symmetry to that. I um, mean, there were other good. As I say there were good performers right across the field. In midfield, Cater did pretty well. John Tennyson as ever, was was excellent. And uh, in terms of an injury bonus, uh, Alex octay chamberlain came on uh, for the last 15 minutes of the first. We've seen of him uh, this season. He's been out with a knee injury, so it's a, a a positive in in more ways than one for Liverpool uh, so they now have eight days rest where they uh, will be playing against West Bromwich Albion on uh, Sunday the 27th of December Sam Allardyce and all of that but uh, Liverpool on top of the table uh, for the uh, third Christmas in a row
3: thank you very much Matt um Jürgen congratulations today um what's the most pleasing aspects of that the win the score line the quality of the goals oh
4: um it was a little bit interrupted, but I'm not sure if that's a technical problem or you just stopped talking. <laughs> um, everything is pleasing, everything is good um, about this game. Um, overcoming difficult problems in the first half with counter-attacks, um, fighting really hard to, to avoid their um, goal and on the other side, really top football, top finishing, keeping the ball uh, in the right way, using the positioning, Filling the just edge plan with life, and um, boys did really well. It was really difficult to play against us today, I would say. And then, when you have obviously today, they all wore their finishing boots, uh, it looked like, um, when you have them, that's really tricky. And so, that's the reason for the result that that's that uh, didn't happen for us before, but unfortunately, not happen a lot. But it's a funny season. Uh, we lost 7 2, now we lost, we won 7 0. At least we could. Cancel out a little bit this, this um, the, the goal difference.
3: You mentioned the seven-two. Also, you've had to battle some big injuries this year, and yet you're going to be top of the league at Christmas for the third season in a row. How satisfying are you with where you are right now as you try and defend this title? I don't,
4: I don't feel satisfaction or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm happy in the moment. Absolutely, because it was just a, a top game. But the time is just like this. It makes no sense to be over the moon about something because the 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 problem gets smaller. I don't say the problems, the challenges get don't get smaller. It's just um yes the first time now for it's feels like ages that we don't play on Tuesday immediately again. Um, I think Crystal Palace felt today a little bit. How hard is this to play Wednesday night and then and on Saturday twelve thirty immediately again? It's tough. It was for us tough as well. Um, and so, I don't think really about being top of the table or whatever. We're just happy that we won the game, uh, that we have now time to recover, more time to recover than we ever had before in this season, and that we have to use that in a smart way. And then, West Promise waiting with Sam Allardyce. Um, and the next um, proper challenge
3: is there. Thank you. Okay, guys. I'm going to go to the hands up first, which I think Gene Sylvester's next, um, and then we'll go for Hideo uh, as well. But if uh, you can use the hands up, guys, we're going to go to people. That'd be great. Uh, but um, Gene Sylvester first.
2: Hi, Jürgen. It's Gene Sylvester here from the Morning Star. Um, now, I just wanted to to get your views on whether you think you've really hit a, a rhythm now, uh, due to a more settled team. Um, obviously, with all the injuries at the beginning of the season, obviously you had to find a, a new blend with the defense and so on and so forth. Do you believe now you're finding a, a more settled selection that is um, allowing you to find more rhythm?
4: Um, we deal the whole season already only with the, with the circumstances. I don't mean now. now I'm not mean COVID. Now I mean really the injuries and stuff like this. So you cannot prepare for that. You just have to sort these kind of problems. Um uh, yeah, I know we had a lot of, a lot of problems and it's all about I even mean, when it's once started, then it just leads to the next problem. That means you have to play a player less on seven and a half and a week later another one has to play seven times in a row, which because nobody else was fit and all these kind of things, the young kids were not ready. And these things you know, that needs just it, it doesn't stop. So in the moment it's just one hour now after the game where we just think okay, it's fine. But from tomorrow on, we try to prepare all the different scenarios again and 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 do what we have to do to make sure that we will uh, uh, will will win football games in in end of December. Obviously, there's a game, and then in January, February, and so on as well. It's just it's tough, and
3: nothing to be satisfied with or whatever. Thank you, Gene. Um, we'll go to Hideo and then to Rob Harris from uh, AP. We haven't got any other hands up after that, so but Hideo first, then Rob Harris. Hi, Jürgen. Uh,
5: you have been using Taki in midfield recently, but uh, does today's performance show that he's more suited to play up front? And, and ideally, do you want to use him up front rather than in midfield?
4: First of foremost, um, we want to use Taki, so that's it. And the way we play, we need them. Um, um, if you play for us in midfield, you need to be um, an offensive, you need to have offensive skills as well. So, means Taki can play there, played twice, played good. Even more important in training, he looked really sharp, really in good shape. That's why he was, why he, why we, he played today, um, played a top game today, uh, nice finish, um, and just is is a, a good moment. Eh? So that's that's what we want to use. And I saw him in the dressing room now, and he was um, couldn't avoid avoid smiling all over his face. So it's um, it's, a, it's a good moment. He he's in a really good place and um, helps us a lot.
3: Thank you. So, Rob Harris, and this will be the last question unless anyone else puts their hands up on the uh, the system on the right-hand side. Rob Harris.
6: Hi, uh, Jürgen. Merry Christmas. I'm sure you were pleased, obviously, to rack up that big score in the first, particularly without Mo. What was the thinking for not starting Salah? And had you taken into account the interview that was published, sort of maybe talking about a move to Spain potentially, or um, not having the captaincy as well? Hey.
4: What was? Oh. I'm not sure I understand everything. So, what was the plan with him not starting? That's easy. Um, it's just a, I think it's the first time for a while that we had the opportunity to do something like this. We needed, it was clear after we played Sunday, Wednesday, so we needed fresh legs today. So, Joel could come in, Nabi could come in, and then we had to think about how, how can we can deal with that in the first line. And um, Mo played the last four games, I think, just seven. It's just only seven minutes from the last four games. It's a massively intense period, so it was clear it will be him. And then usually you would expect in a game like this against Crystal Palace the last. The recent results again between us and them were always pretty tight, close. So and um, bringing him um, in the last half an hour, I thought it's a good idea. We did that, by the way. Um, but it was not exactly the scenario we we would have expected, of course. So that's it.
6: And did you see the comments he said in the Spanish interview about not having the captaincy against Mitterland? A bit unhappy with that and suggesting he would be open to moving to Spain one day.
4: <laughs> oh, nothing to say from my side about that. All fine.
3: Okay. Uh, we'll go to Ivan Speck from the Irish Examiner and I think that's it. That's what I can see for hands up. So Ivan's finish for us. Sorry, Ivan, I think you're on mute, if you can take it off mute and then we can uh, we can hear your question. Sorry about that. Ian, you know, uh, bringing Salah up, some people might have thought it was a risk or 4-0 up, but everything seemed to work today, which was just one of those days, I guess.
4: Yeah, well, it was a good day. And we didn't have a lot of struggles the first half, the, 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 the counter-takes they had. We'll defend that. As far as I know, nobody picked up any injuries, or not little or bigger ones, and uh, I hope that's um, still the case when I arrive again in the dressing room. Um, no, from that, really one of the bad days in our life, and um, we will take that with us, try to recover
3: and go again. This is the very last question for us, which is Daniel Matthews, and then we'll uh, we'll the partner press conference. Daniel, hi, can you hear me? Um, Yeah.
1: Um, You mentioned obviously the turbulence of this year and and all the injuries, but this feels like a a statement victory. How much more from your side with the players coming back and using the extra break? How much more from your side do you feel there is to come?
4: I don't think there's. That we have to make this kind of uh, prediction that how much will we come after a seven-nil. So we have to, as a, if you want to reach whatever in this league or in football in general, you have to be really consistent, and you have to for, for being consistent, you need options. So um, and Jose Mourinho said before our game we played against Tottenham that we that only two or three players are not involved and all the rest is um, on the pitch for our game from I don't know from the league winners. He was actually right. The problem is only that these players had to play like um, 80, 90% of the games of final season. So that's more our problem. So far, we always could bring a really good team on the pitch. That's what we, yes, filled up with with really sensationally talented boys. Uh, that's what, what really helps. Um, but it's just that's the, the majority of the season is still to come. So it's not about how much more we can do. We just have to be ready on each match day. To find a way to win this specific game, and um, that's not decided. That if we will do that, we are we, we we will try it with all we have. But um, yeah, we will see later on this season.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: A very satisfied Jurgen Klopp there, and a very satisfied fan base too. We'll hear from four members of that fan base right now. We've got Matt Whitty, Mark Baker, who pays particular focus on Jordan Henderson, the captain, then Alex Watt, and finally Owen Thomas. But before we get the verdicts of Matt, Mark, Alex, and Owen, I'd just like to say a big thank you for listening to this podcast uh, and to have a very Merry Christmas and that we will be back a week on Sunday after the West Brom game.
7: Well... Liverpool come away from South London with a seven-goal win and all three points after a masterclass of finishing and a sensational performance from Bobby Firmino, who was just absolutely phenomenal for the entire time that he was on the pitch. Um, he showed his work rate early in the game, um, dispossessing uh, Klein on the uh, in the right-back area and a move that ultimately led to Minamino getting his first goal in a while. And it was a, a lovely touch by uh, Firmino to uh, unlock the defence by faking to shoot and just giving himself a yard and then burying it in the corner. And um, There was more great work by Firmino with a disguised little inside pass to Mané whose cute Cruyff turn created the space before burying it. And then Bobby got just desserts for his, uh, just reward for his superb performance with a third goal, which was a brilliant team move on the counter attack, um, it was just a lovely pick up deep in our own our own half. Superb outside of the boot pass out wide to Robbo, and then Robbo, even with a few Palace players back, managed to pick out Bobby, who just beautifully controlled it into his slide and then nonchalantly poked it home with the outside of his foot, and. You, you felt a little bit like we were just ruthlessly efficient in that first half because Palace were had had a good 15-20 minute period where they were in the game and causing us problems, but then after half time we got the uh, we got the goal after about five minutes, beautifully swept in by Henderson uh, from the D after a, a lovely layback by um, by Trent, and then it was really was game over and party time and and, and Palace just completely completely wilted. Uh, Mane and, and um, Minamino both missed really presentable chances, and you could see that Mane was really unhappy about being substituted, and clearly he thought there were there were more goals in the game, and, and he was he was completely right. Uh, Salah came on, and uh, it wasn't long before he got an assist with a pass that I've got to say on, was absolutely inch perfect. But initially, in, in real time, I thought he'd he'd uh, he'd it slightly. And it uh, took Firmino a little bit wide, and then it was just a world-class finish—a little dink with his left foot over the on-rushing keeper. And then there was still time for Mo Salah to uh, to grab a to grab a to grab two goals. Firstly, being astonishingly unmarked from five yards out from a header um, after uh, after a corner after Matip not nodded it onto him, and then finally um, an absolute worldy. Um, into the top corner, bending it in there with his left foot, like we saw him do for, for Roma and, and uh, particularly in his first season with us. It was just a, a joyous performance, everything you could want in an away game. Um, being uh, being knocked out of the League Cup, um, although it means we lose the chance of that silverware, it does mean we get a bit of a break um, in this midweek. And we don't play again until uh, the day after, after Boxing Day, so we've got a bit of time off in December, which is a rarity over here. And yeah, Moves, uh, move, moves us clear at the top of the league. Um, having played a game more than most of our, our rivals and really helps with the goal difference um, after the uh, thinking back to the uh, that dreadful Villa game. So, yeah, just a, a brilliant performance and we're going to be top of the league at Christmas again.
5: Mark Baker reflected on Crystal Palace versus Liverpool in the Premier League. The outstanding performance of Liverpool's season so far. I thought they were excellent to a man really and throughout the 90 minutes both with and without the ball put on a complete performance for me I wanted to touch on obviously the collectors is very important because without every single player being his maximum you don't win a game of football like that at an elite level and obviously all the details were there for Liverpool in the way they set up and the way they executed the game plan of the manager. However, I, I have to touch on Jordan Henderson. I mean, I've always been one of Henderson's biggest fans. I believe, and I've mentioned in many of my columns down the years, that he was the reason that Liverpool didn't go on to win uh, the title in the 13-14 season when he got sent off. I believe it's disrupted the equilibrium of the team, the balance. His performance that s- season was outstanding as a right and inside right, right interior of a midfield three. And Liverpool never recovered from his sending off, and you couldn't have known at the time just how crucial that would be. I think he slid in on Sami and Asri at the time. And ultimately for me, Liverpool didn't get over the line because of it. I think they had to bring in Lucas at the time. It was nowhere near the, the same player in player profile, or obviously playing in the manner that Henderson was at that point. So so, fast-forward many years later, and his performances over the last two years, even two and a half years, have been outstanding. And there is no question in my mind that he is one of the leading Whale midfield players. I mean, the nonsense that used to get talked in terms of him not being progressive enough with the ball, one of the most underrated aspects of ever any footballer at that level, is the ability to keep the team ticking over, the ability to always make the right choice, the ability to control possession, speed it up and slow it down when you need to. And Henderson operating in that deeper or deepest midfield position before Fabinho came in, demonstrated all of them qualities. Obviously went to a, a slightly higher position, mid of the position he had in 13-14 of the inside right. Since Fabiño has become a regular mainstay of the, of the club and obviously Fabiño moving back into the centre-half position has allowed Henderson to, to drop into the anchor position in midfield and again just outstanding in either role now Where whichever of the two roles he performs ability on the ball for me is at an all-time high for the player I believe that he's up there in the in the top one percent of players who play progressive passes from the middle of the park just the right amount of balance between rotating the ball keeping the ball when needed to be but also looking for them hairful passes whether that's an elevated ball whether that's a ball between the lines and also that great ability he has to be able to whip a a ball from that inside right position into the penalty area and his finish today his execution of his finish was outstanding but he's always been an outstanding technician of a of a football i mean i think sometimes because of almost how aesthetically he looks on the eye so you think of the most aesthetic players that, that have played the game. I mean, look at Thiago now who plays for Liverpool and during his time at Barcelona and Bayern Munich, you'd say he's the epitome of easy on the eye and what a player, for me, the best midfield player in Europe. And Henderson doesn't quite look that to the eye, but in terms of his ability to control, uh, control a football, his range of passes with the, both the inside and the lace part of his feet and the variety he can execute has always made him an, an elite football in that midfield section. And the bottom line is, he wouldn't have achieved what he has and wouldn't have been a mainstay in this captain of Liverpool Football Club if he wasn't an elite technical player. There's just absolutely no question about that. But you look at him now, I mean, I always, every single game uh, that Liverpool play, I'll never watch with that ridiculous crowd noise. I mean, does anyone seriously watch games with that, that uh, fake crowd noise? Because I think one of the most Brilliant things about this whole lockdown period, and sorry, the COVID nineteen period, and games played behind closed doors, has been able to be able to hear the players and the communication, and Henderson's level of detail that he gives other players, and the range of motivation that he excels. And don't get me wrong, you know, at that level, all players have got to be able to communicate and and encourage and do all of them things, but you can clearly see that he is the leader of Liverpool's side the absolute driving force behind how the team play and the small 1% that he extracts from others on the, on the field of play. And in a way, I'll miss that when it actually goes back to fans coming back into the stadium, probably the one thing you would miss is seeing that level of detail. I mean, with and without the ball, because I've talked about how great, he, how, how fantastic, I believe, his his ability on the ball is for the midfield player. But also, out of possession, he is elite in transition. There's absolutely no question about it. The ability to win the ball back high, the ability to cover teammates when out of possession, when the ball gets turned over, his ability to read scenarios, intercept and get the team moving back on the front foot and also delay dangerous situations in which the opposition get into good advantageous areas in Liverpool's side. There is, it's hard to find a better midfield player in the Premier League to do that, probably... Up there alongside him is obviously his partner, Wijnaldum, in midfield. And that's what, coupled with all both players' excellent technical ability, really makes the difference in this Liverpool side, especially the way they set up. So, I just wanted to really touch on Henderson today because, at the end of the day, I mean, some of the nonsense that has been spouted down the years of not being, oh, he's not a Liverpool captain, he's not good enough to play for Liverpool, I really do not understand what people have been watching and also in terms of leadership qualities because nobody is privy to the dressing room. Nobody can see the, the detail and, and the dynamics that players bring. So how anyone could ever say that he wasn't the right captain when multiple managers had selected him as such and obviously having a leading role for his country as well. And I don't think I've ever been happier to see a player now win the lot in football because that's what he's done he's playing at the absolute elite level for an absolute elite team and he is the captain of the side he is the biggest influence in the side and that is testament to just how good a footballer because forget about all the things you hear about great professionalism yeah he's a fantastic professional i'm sure no doubt but sheer ability as well has got him into that place and it shouldn't be doubted and sometimes i get frustrated when i hear just about hard work and all the dedication, because there's no doubt he has all that. But we are talking about an absolutely fantastic footballer as well. And I think he highlighted that today. I thought his performance was outstanding, as was that of the team. And a really, really, what could have been difficult strip and early kick-off with limited time, turned into a brilliant performance by Liverpool.
6: Hello, Alex Watt from Did It Cross The Line podcast. Uh, 7-0. Um, You know, for a club in crisis, we're not doing too badly, are we? Uh, Sitting clear at the top of the league at Christmas, obviously dispatching Mourinho's so-called Champions-elect in Spurs midweek, and then this performance today, wow. Um, And to think back to the narrative I was seeing before the game from some fans, you know, People angry Klopp didn't use his subs on Wednesday, and then angry today that he was rotating the team. Feels like he can't win sometimes, and then I think that performance will have shut those people up quite quickly. To be honest, you know, Salah had played like the last seven games on the bounce, I think, so I could understand why Klopp thought it was best to rest him today. Probably didn't even need to bring him on at all, to be honest, but Mo obviously fancied getting on the score sheet as well, and he did, twice, um, in quite spectacular fashion for his second as well, to be honest. Um, The quality of the finishing today from Liverpool against Palace was just next level, absolutely ruthless today, and to be fair, that kind of result feels like it's been coming, Away from home, you know, at times this season, certainly in the last couple of months, it's felt like that ruthlessness in front of goal has sometimes been lacking away from home. But today, wow, pretty much every goal was fantastic too. You know, highlight real finishes all over the shop. And when you consider that Jota is out, Salah didn't start, you know, it was so impressive. The team's really spreading the goals around the squad this season. I think it's something like, 14 different scorers, um, but yeah, what a performance, you know, Minamino scored within three minutes just to shut up anyone who didn't want him to start, you know, today very quickly, um, turns out that Jurgen Klopp, the FIFA coach of the year, does know more about football than keyboard warriors, who knew, um, but yeah, delighted to see Taki get that goal, his first Premier League goal, I think, um, a great confident finish as well was really nice to see you know we got away with one in the first half when Ayu and Zaha broke through um, at 1-0 maybe it's a different story if Ayu's final pass was a bit more on the mark because Palace did threaten quite a bit in that first half but then Sadio Mane did that (laughs) made it 2-0 you know that's the difference when the attackers are on their game you know he's had a bit of a goal drought by his own standards. Nine games without a goal, I think. But you wouldn't have known it from the confidence of that turn and that finish. Then Bobby Firmino, my God, makes it three with a brilliant finish. A cool, nonchalant, stylish, very him finish. Um, his second goal as well in the second half to make it 5-0 with that dink over the keeper was was very Bobby too, I think. Klopp and Curtis's reaction to it on the touchline said it all and yeah he was cracking out a lot of the classic Bobby finishes today but taking off before he could give us a no look as well unfortunately but I've said a bunch of times about Bobby still being bizarrely underrated by some sections of our fan base despite being so important but even his biggest doubters can't deny what a week he's had. The big winner against Spurs and then those classic Bobby finishes today getting two. He really looks right at it at the moment and you know, the more attackers that are informed, the better for us going into this crazy Christmas period. And Firmino does score a lot in December and January. He does historically love this period. Um he seems to come into his own around this time. It must be I dunno, all that Christmas karaoke must do. <laughs> it must be making him happy, yeah. God, I love Bobby Firmino. Um but yeah Overall, it feels like Liverpool are getting into that groove where they don't need to be at their absolute best. They don't need to dominate games from start to finish like they might have done in previous seasons. They can conserve their energy a bit more and pick their moments because the quality of the attacks and the finishes just made the difference. You know, Palace didn't play that badly, you know, but they've conceded seven goals. You look at the first half, Liverpool had three shots on target, three goals, which kind of sums that... That up that clinicalness, if that is a word <laughs> in front of goal, um second half you know even you know even more goals, you know, your next sports personality of the year, Jordan Henderson uh popped up with an absolute beauty of a strike from outside the area to make it four nil, as I said, for me, no making it five, and you know Salah with two tremendous goals, you know, particularly a second to to round it off and when you think back to early in the season when liverpool conceded 7 against villa in that mad game for us to now have the best goal difference in the premier league again is a real testament to the strength of this squad the talent the quality the the drive you know all of that it it did seem to be fair like the team were on a mission to overturn that goal difference um in that one game today but yeah incredibly Liverpool have now got over a week until they play their next game, you know, very welcome rest before the chaos of the post-Christmas period comes. And considering some of the doom and gloom around the injuries this season, you know, Liverpool are still turning out performances like this. We've still got players like Oxlade-Chamberlain coming back in too, which is another positive. And just what a performance, a great Christmas present for us all. And another great example of how even with the injuries and all these kind of issues we've seen this season Liverpool are right now still so far ahead of the chasing pack and one step closer to retaining the league so happy holidays everyone <laughs> up the reds
1: cheers Hello this is Owen from Cop On Podcast Heavens to Betsy 7-0 seven, 7 The result they have to write in brackets so people don't think it's a typo. I'm not going to get too carried away though, I'm really not, even though you might poo-poo that attitude. There was actually a lot that was wrong uh, in the first half. I counted seven excellent chances that Palace created, as we generally looked as knackered as a reindeer on Boxing Day and as wide open as Big Sam Allardyce's box of mince pies. However, of course I am delighted because that was probably the most clinical performance I've ever seen from any team ever in the world, ever. Eight shots on target and seven goals. Gaeta in the Palace goal must be both flummoxed and flabbergasted. That was laser power. For the record, our biggest ever away wins are 8 0 versus Stoke in the League Cup fourth round in the year 2000, 7 0 versus Burton Swifts in the second division, February 1896. Just one month later, in March 1896, we beat Crewe Alexandra away 7 0 in the second division, of course, again. We beat Birmingham City 7-0 in the FA Cup 6th round under Benitez in 2006, the same year of that magnificent Gerard goal in the final against West Ham, of course. And we also beat N.K. Maribor 7-0 in the Champions League group stage in October 2017. And now this one, for the first time ever, smashing in seven in the top flight away from home astonishing this is owen from cop on podcast saying ho 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 merry christmas one and all let's put that result in the oven and see what it tastes like on the 27th when we come back you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo